I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. What if you decided today to abandon your profession to follow your passion? What would happen? You know you've thought about it. Who hasn't thought about ditching the job to do what you love? Maybe your job is what you love, but who hasn't thought about that, that other thing? I say that knowing most of you listening are in the design and architecture industry and having spoken with so many of you know that you absolutely love what you do, even so. I also know that many have that secret talent, that secret passion, that secret desire, that passion to do something else. Sandra Vlock is an architect by education and an artist by choice. She had a moment of clarity after receiving two 58-inch mooring boys and then sculpting them into highly detailed fire pits. Crafting one thing into another and watching that craft a feeling, an experience with fire. This is a conversation about personal and professional growth and following your passion wherever it takes you. This is Sandra Vlach. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zenger, a progressive brand that was built on a promise to provide designers, architects, and homeowners with the right materials to do their very best work. That promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But it's more than that. Walker Zanger believes strongly in serving the trade with a trade program that makes the specifying process simple with the support you need. They've been staunch supporters of the trade since 1952. In 2020, I launched a series in partnership with Walker Zenger called The Showroom. This intimate interview series showcases some of the very best creatives in the business today. Please join us live or catch every episode recorded so you can enjoy it on your schedule. Walker Zenger is on the cutting edge of design featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. So check out any of their showrooms across the country or shop online. WalkerZenger.com How are you adapting to you, you know, it's funny because you're an architect yeah. and you're an, you're an artist, and you make these these remarkable pieces that are made to be seen and experienced in person. How are you dealing with our our new virtual reality? Huh. Uh, well, you know, it's interesting living in Southern California as I have been since the very end of June. Um, there's more activity. It feels like people are. Uh, there's more opportunity to be uh, socially together, but physically distant. Yeah. I would say alarmingly socially together or alarmingly physically a little too close, which is uh, of concern. But um, that's a great question because uh, it, everything that I think about is about bringing people together. And here we're, we're in this strange environment where um, that's the problem. And so I, I think that what concerns me and where I've put all my energy seems to have found its moment in that what I look to do is to find opportunities for gathering that are actually very safe. And it's, and it's not just bringing people together, it's bringing people together where there's, there's something really to share, something memorable to share. And, um, and I think that it's, the reason I say it's found its moment is that there's, there, that's something of high value right now. It's not just art in the landscape or, or some uh, sculptural feature I think people are, are drinking deeply into the idea that um, they're looking for more. People are looking for more in their, their physical space. Isn't it interesting? Um, the, the way that you really, truly, honestly find what you really, truly, honestly want mm. is when you can't have it. Yeah, right. And because everything has been completely taken away, now you get to see, you know, it's funny. And I think the virtual background is, is kind of this, 
I think it's been lost as this this lost art of being able to see inside someone's head without them actually telling you where they really would rather be right here, right now. You know what I mean? So amazing. Yes. Yeah. I think probably the most memorable moments I've had are when I have conversations with people, whether it's as we are doing now, that is really beneath the surface. It's not just, you know, tell me what you've been doing and where you've been, but how you're feeling about it. And so uh, the creative experience, let's say art, just to put it into a general framework, can really uh, provoke a deeper conversation and um, brings people together in a way that is the shared, the shared moment. And that's what I crave because that really is being connected to someone else. And it's like going to any, uh, to a gallery or a museum where you, it, for me, I love being with someone else. I like that shared thing or going to a movie, you know, and talking about it afterwards. It's, it's that sort of um, interaction that's so important. And um I think the, all the, the, the great focus on what's happening in our outdoor space is that that's the safe place. And so all the things which we may have done to define ourselves um, in, inside our own homes or our own environments has now been um, shifted to outside of the patio door. It was interesting as I was driving back for this conversation with you, I went past a, a restaurant here in Newport Beach, uh, Seoul. And I noticed how in the course of a few months that I've been uh, living in this area, that it went from parking lot with a tent to now they've really put a lot more design emphasis on what that perimeter looks like. And I think it's really uh, emblematic of what's happening is like, oh, okay, it's not two weeks. We're really rethinking our whole experience and what people absolutely need to be not just comfortable, but to feel a sense of um, uh, enjoyment, satisfaction, um, a whole range of emotions that uh, have just had to be not replicated, but, but um, a deep reconsideration of what all that means. And it was just this one thing and you know, driving by and you sort of catch it in the corner of your eyes, like, oh, now they're, they're really stepping up their game here. Yeah, I think that's a really good example. And I, and I feel you know, strongly, you know, what, what design and architecture traditionally has done is fill, fill a need, fill a void, fill mm -hmm. a gap. Um, find find the white space and color it in appropriately. And mm -hmm. it never has in my lifetime has it been more relevant or appropriate than right now. I mean, you know, with it doesn't matter where you are financially, this affects you. It doesn't matter where you are politically, this affects you. It doesn't matter geographically or station in life or your 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 role or your career it, this affects everyone equally mm -hmm. um you know some people have greater opportunity financially speaking to to fill that void but i think that also there's this element of creativity that's come out of this i mean for me it's been absolutely fascinating speaking with designers creators architects to see how everyone's approaching this and everyone approaches it differently. And it's interesting what you talk about with restaurants, I think never more so have you seen this innovation and creativity yeah. because, because their life depends on it. Right. And that innovation and creativity is happening at uh, lightning speed. I have to say, yeah. really think about it. It's amazing. The other thing I'm noticing is that my background in architecture, how this sort of uh, affects me. Um, I very early on in my career, I worked for a classical architect for several years and um, one of the preeminent classical architects in this country. And what that, um, that experience for me was paying a great deal of attention to detail 
and how the how the mind uh, reacts to something which is really well detailed. And you can think of various flourishes that are in the classical vocabulary, whether it's the antithesis of a column rather than just something that's like this. You know, the things that you're, you, you really do pick up, even if you're not necessarily a trained eye. And um, I'm finding that uh, as we were talking about restaurants, the shift from the uh, a restaurant interior, which may be beautifully detailed and, and, and how much attention is paid there. Well, that is all sort of moving outside. What is required? What do people want? What, how is that, how does that feed our soul, so to speak, not to get too poetic about it, but it, it really, it really does. And I think the, I'm hoping actually that this moment invites uh a, a very different sort of imagine, imagination, imagining what our outdoor world needs to do, where it's not just filling it up with furniture and amenities, but what is the outside space now and the, the priority that we give that. And I, I'm, I'm looking for another way of saying outdoor space because it makes it sound like it's you know something other. It is a reflection of who we are and how we we want to be. I had a conversation the other day with uh, one of your colleagues about um, a business that is focused on outdoor kitchens, and he used a turn turn of the phrase that was the, your kitchen outside. Your kitchen outdoors. Yeah, your kitchen outdoors. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, and I that's I was scribbling that one down. Because I thought, yep, we're on the right track right now. We have to totally upend what this is about. We also spoke about how there sometimes there are uh, advances not only in technology but in um, some of the products that we use, which permit us to think differently. For example, I'm looking at your screensaver. Uh, one of the things that I did early in my career. Uh, was the nano wall and, and deploying that in a pavilion that we had designed. And as an early adopter, and I can see past your right ear, there's a folding, <laughs> there's a, there's a folding uh, wall, wall system, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that opens up a lot of opportunity for designers for, to blur the line between out, outside, inside, um, and all of that, I think, should contribute to this n new awareness um, of what we can do now, um, whether it's products like not necessarily Nanowall. I mean, there's so many, so many companies that are now are producing this, this, uh, this system, uh, but it did change how we, how we design. Well, you, you bring up a really good point. And I think, interestingly enough, you know, the, the, gra the image behind me is from the um, uh, Christopher Kennedy uh, compound from Modernism Week a couple, oh. a couple years ago. Yeah. And I, I, I absolutely love this space. Beautiful. This is a quintessential California chic, California cozy, California mm -hmm. lifestyle, Palm Springs, desert home where there really is the the barriers are completely blended between out, outside and inside but i wanted to sort of touch on something that that you mentioned mm -hmm. um you know i think there's this misconception one that i am guilty of making at the same time when this whole thing started the the events of 2020 the pandemic um everyone was saying these are unprecedented times these are not unprecedented times these mm -hmm. are Unprecedented times. We've we've had wars. We've had political turmoil. We've had social injustice. We've had pandemics. We've had um, recessions. We've had depressions. We've had economic. We've had all of these things before. We've had many of them at the same time. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've had any of them at the same time in this order. But from that, I do think that there are so many lessons we can learn. You talk about the innovation in mm -hmm. using a nanowall or an open wall system that completely mm -hmm. opens it up. Well, the, you know, the, the Spanish flu pandemic gave way to some absolutely remarkable 
design and architecture trends that are still in place today. The idea of a modern vestibule, the use of subway tile in a residential setting, um, yeah. the lack of, of the water closet as it would, you know, the chamber pots in bathrooms to actual indoor plumbing and not using porous wooden products in bacteria heavy environments. I mean, a lot of things came out of that. And I feel like we're going to see the same this time. What I think is really interesting and what I love about speaking with someone like you is you've got this, this background and this skill set that I find absolutely fascinating because I've spoken to over the past seven years of the podcast, I've spoken to a lot of architects and I don't mean to put everyone in black and white categories, but some architects are lean heavier to the math side. Some architects lean heavier to the creative side, but I've never known an architect who has, I don't want to say abandoned architecture because I don't feel that that's true, but left architecture to become an artist. I find that fascinating. (laughs) I'll tell you why I'm laughing. (laughs) I can almost hear my father (laughs) saying, you know, he's not a bean counter, but he's like, you know, he's a closer. (laughs) And uh, uh, the reason I'm laughing about that is it, it was kind of a big risk to move from having my own firm to where we survived not a pandemic, but the last uh, you know, 2008 was, was a, a steep climb and um, did a lot of different building types in colleges and universities and museum galleries and all over the place. Um, yeah, it was, it's, I'll tell you why it happened. Um, for me, the, um, I don't feel like I abandoned architect, I'm still an architect. I recognize that I am more than that. And um, as a, as someone who wants to be an artist, but also be financially responsible to myself and my family, that's the hard part. Because it's a, it is a different world. But everything that really interested me deeply about architectures playing into the to the work that I'm doing now, I'm just doing it in a more streamlined fashion, meaning that it's, it's the staff, the the uh, liability insurance, all that stuff gets kind of stripped away, which is is good. But what remains the same is that I'm someone that that thrives on collaboration. Like this conversation to me is it feeds into the collaborative. Uh, uh, spirit. I like to think. I like to think out loud. I'm 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 an extemporaneous thinker, uh, and I have always been very committed to the process. And so, uh, as you were saying, you you really shouldn't sort of clump us all together in you know the black and white. It's not just the math brain, the left and the right. I look at. Uh, a, a major distinction for architects, and I'll say artists as well, um, or anyone in a creative field, is the, the degree to which that person may be willing to engage another or a community in the process. I've always wanted to have that sort of direct feedback and interaction so that it's the, the, the net result is really the um, the experience and the um, um, the imprint of many, not just myself. And that's exactly what I'm doing now. I mean, I may come up with some harebrained ideas like, hey, let's take a mooring buoy and turn it into a fire vessel. Or, hey, let's take a patio heater and turn it into a fire totem. You know, I, I'm just looking for things that I find are relevant to the communal experience that, are, you know, these untapped things that, that could be... Uh, could be more, could deliver more. But the spirit of collaboration is there. Um, It's caused me to um, decide whether or not to to continue to work within one architectural context versus another. Because frankly, there are people who are more product oriented as architects, this is what I do. And that's never been who I am. And so, 
for example, the fireball behind me, if I can move my head away, and you may not be able to see the detail in it, but it's a story that is uh, my own imagination, but it is in response to a place or, or a personal story that may not be my own. And that's collaborative because it's seeing things in a, in a way that invites the participation of other people. So I could keep kind of going on with that, but I, I, in, to your question about how does that happen? How, do, how does an architect who may not have been a traditionalist um, shift suddenly into the art world? I think it's just a natural progression for me that it gives me more flexibility to be who I am. I think what I think what's interesting too is that your work is that your work is functional. Um, right. That it is fine art. That is that is also functional. And if people want to go see it, I, and I encourage them to do it, it's studioflock.com, um, Correct. Right. Yeah. So, and and the functionality of it. I'm I'm just curious if you have the artistic side of it in the art itself, but the fact that it's functional seems to feed that architectural side. Well, look behind you or look in front of you. you don't look behind you because you're not there. Yeah. <laughs> That's really too funny. The context that you present yourself in right now, it's all about functionality. It's the, the form is following that function not to use. Well, I didn't come up with that phrase just to put it out there, but it's, um, uh, the, the way people move through space and experience uh, an environment, that functionality is critical. And um, I, I found that to be kind of a roadblock for myself at first when I was trying to understand, well, okay, I'm in the art world. Uh, there, was, there were many people who discouraged me from using that phrase, functional and I said, fine art, I didn't know what to call it. Because they said, well, that's, you know, it, it, that puts it at a different price point. I, honestly, that was the pushback. I said, well, if it's fun, if you're using it, and I'm, I'm committed to that, why not? I mean, you, you, that house is in full, full use. Tons of people walking around, using the pool, in and out. I mean, it's all about how we use those things. Well, isn't that interesting though? Because I think, um... And again, in talking to so many architects and having it explained to me so many times that architecture is a language. Yep. And, I, and I believe that. And I've also sort of come to realize that architecture is a language. Design is storytelling. Right. And I think sometimes the numbers side of architecture gets architects to forget about the story that they're that they're that they're trying to tell in the design itself and focus strictly on you know are they true to a style are they true to you know the the purpose of the language itself a very formal view of the language right but i think that when you have a creator a creative type who looks at architecture and says okay the, you know i'm I'm going to speak in a different dialect and I'm also going to tell the story behind that, that dialect and behind the language. And, and I'm going to tell the story of the people that I'm designing this for, you know, I think Wallace Neff did a very good job as a, you know, someone who's quintessential Southern California, who, who used his indigenous materials in extremely creative ways, who told stories about the architecture, whether he was building it for the Doheny's or for the Culver's, um, whomever he was doing it for, even Pickfair, you know, which is not a, a project that, that he designed, but he certainly reimagined it uh, with Elsie DeWolf, you know, when they, when they sort of reimagined what that hunting lodge would be. Yeah. I, I think going back to that, and, and I'm wondering if this sort of artistic endeavor of yours, I, I love how you explain this, like the fireball behind you, that there's a story in it. Yeah. And, and that story uh, for me, it's, um, I don't like dealing in abstracts particularly. Um, the story is about 
in, in this particular uh, image that you see behind me and, and this, the story changes for wherever I am and whoever it's for. Um, but this is the story of a harvest. And so it's not the necessarily all the images that one might conjure up immediately. I was looking at the details. And so the details of the, the harvest scene, and it's kind of like a um, vignettes, I would say, little design vignettes. So there are critters in there and it's, it's not a one-liner and it's not so cute like, you know, the dog with the big eyes, not at all. It's how I, it's like the understory of things. This, this little discovery, kind of a world that is, it is the natural world. It's not our world. I mean, there could be rows of, you know, of vines and that might be part of it just as a repetitive, um, and there, there's a little bit of that in there. It's, it's just, it's the, uh, the cadence, the, the um, uh, it's like seeing a colonnade of, uh, in, in a vineyard. It's fascinating that, that sort of the pattern language of a vineyard and rolling hills, and that's just marvelous. But then there's this whole other world that's got my attention, whether it's from the field mouse to, uh, to an owl. And, um, and so those are all kind of blended in to this, this little scene. I, I wonder actually if for myself, um, the inspiration might've come from children's books, children's illustrations uh, that I, I still love and think about, like um, something just came to mind, Romany Woods, which is a, just these marvelous illustrations that showed a kind of the hidden world. Um, I did a, a, aside from fireballs, I did a, uh, a very large garden screen. Um, and the first one I made was for my own backyard, <laughs> you know, came by crane. It's like people are looking at me, it's like, what is that and why? Uh, but I had to explore this and what it was is a, um, what it was as a, as a piece of art is a, half inch thick steel uh, arc shape so it could stand on its own by 18 feet long. So imagine something that is, yeah, it's sort of that big, but it, it had to be large enough to see this kind of scene, this, this narrative running by. And that scene was all about a secret garden. And I'm sure people might remember that book, The Secret Garden, and you, your, your imagination is totally engaged. And so I set this in my own garden. And because I, I wanted to play off this idea of, well, there's the garden, but here's the imaginary world of that garden. So there are, are things that are said, and you have to really kind of look at it and say, oh, you know, it's the the, the, the bumblebee, the, the, the bird, the worm, the things that happen in like storybook fashion. The owl, the butterfly. Yeah, let your imagination kind of run with it. And, and it's an interesting thing to kind of see that set literally in the garden. Or if it's a desert environment, which I've done a lot of work in the, the high and now low desert of Southern California, where a garden screen or a courtyard gate invite the same sort of curiosity and connection where you realize where you are because the imagery is all about that place. And for example, in Joshua Tree where you drive through there and you see just boulders and it looks, looks weird, right? It's a big rock pile with, with spastic looking trees. But then when you spend more time there, cause it, it's an, it's a, um, a very stark landscape, right? And unless you're there for some remarkable desert bloom event, you may wonder, well, who could live here? And why do they live? Why are people going there? And you just have to dig in deeper and see all of the, the fascinating, it's not just creatures, but what that world really is, not just on the horizon line, but um, the, the night sky, the impact of shade and shadow there. There's just so much to really think about if we allow ourselves to go there. And that's the kind of thing that I try and bring into 
um, to my sculptural work to be that evocative and, and fun, but uh, to, to, to really contribute to a sense of location and place that we don't ordinarily allow ourselves. And that is, and that is really one of the, one of the primary features and functions of, of art. And, and when mm-hmm. we talk about art in public places, you and I shared a stage, a virtual stage, where we talked about public art. Um, yeah. And it took, it took a direction that I found fascinating and, and definitely a sign of our times. Mm-hmm. As, you know, you talk about this feeling generated by, by works of art. Art has now, you know, we were talking about the, the Kobe Bryant murals Mm -hmm. and then that sort of led into the george floyd murals and that sort of led into the black lives matter um street art and street murals and i think it's not a matter of what you feel it's that if you feel strongly about something surrounding yourself with it sort of gives you that that power from whatever that that source is that you're feeling you know Mm -hmm. if if it's a secret garden and you know you want to sur- surround yourself in fantasy. And right now, I mean, let's let's be honest. You know, having this conversation virtually, and you have a fantasy behind you, and I have a fantasy mm. behind me. Um, <laughs> you know, in reality, what's behind me is a really ugly, drab, <laughs> chroma key green screen, right? But yeah. but the fact is, is that in times like these. I don't mm-hmm. think art has ever been more important. I mean, this is really this is art's time to shine, and I think back yeah. to your ex- back to your example of the the restaurant that's reimagining its parking lot. Mm-hmm. Parking lots are are quite you know frankly the the worst part of civilized society. I mean, it's a it's a necessary evil. Yeah, but isn't it amazing that? something like the circumstances of 2020 have led businesses to look at the parking lot and reimagine it and feel differently about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last time people reimagined a parking lot might've been, I don't know, 50 years ago where the, the notion of having uh, landscaped islands as part of it became almost a, in certain places a required you know, a requirement for master planning where there had to be enough green space. And, um, or maybe the last time we rethought parking lots was when everybody was driving SUVs. Had to do with, with, with the car, <laughs> not with food service. Uh, and all the adjacencies, the, the experience, the run-up to going into a place, whether it's home or, or some commercial uh, venue. I just thought of something. This is kind of personal. <laughs> I'm going to share it with you. Um, you know, I mentioned that I've been here since July. I'm like a, I'm not a homeless person. I, I actually have a house in Connecticut where uh, I've lived and practiced for quite a while. And um, I just have this opportunity right now to, to be untethered from that and see how I feel about being somewhere else, like being here in Southern California, where I feel like there's a more, uh, it's a more receptive environment for a lot of what I'm doing. But here's the personal part of it. When I was home uh, visiting about a month ago, I had a very small dinner party, meaning like four people came over in my home, a home that I designed and built. And I'm, and it's not like a, an ordinary place. It, it is kind of an unusual environment. And I realized that now, and I especially felt it when I was home. And how that, I felt like it defined me in a way that being here, renting a house or being in some other place, I was just so struck by that. What, is, what do I need to support this sense of, who I am and how people see me. And there was something that you just said, and maybe the, 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 the background image behind me that is drawing me um, into this thought. 
which is that the thing which really is defining me is my creativity. And it doesn't necessarily have to reside in something that's, you know, you know did that, here it all is as a, 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 a piece of uh, an architectural environment or, or something that I can kind of put my finger on and say, well, this is me. It, it, it will always be that creative process that is how I would characterize myself. And the reason I say this is a personal comment is that I haven't fully formed how I feel about this. I'm wondering how, how you feel about it too, because I don't think this is just me anymore. I think we're all in a sense in sort of this transient uh, moment. And so me being somewhere else, it's like, oh yeah, well, other people are doing the same things. Like, where should I go? What should I be thinking about? How much do I value these set of um, circumstances or decisions that I've made? Because we, we, all, we are all sharing this um, new territory together. I think, um, I, I think to your point, what's really interesting is, and, and I love the word untethered, because I, I think that you've, you've sort of hit on something and it is, it's, it, it's, it can be tied directly to, you know, back to the conversation that we're having. And I think that's where sort of the emotion comes from mm. is, is the idea of art as a fantasy, right? Yeah. And taking you someplace where you want to be. Well, normally in everyday life, and I say normally, um, I would classify normally as anything that happened before March 12th of 2020. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Um, I, I think that you talk about this idea of being untethered the one thing I will say about unprecedented times is while they've, well, these times are certainly not unprecedented, they haven't happened to us. Um, mm. They've happened to other people and this is happening to us. Uh, we're experiencing it for the first time. Yeah. And I think the idea of being untethered is incredibly unsettling. Um, I think that this, you know, being unsettled is where most people uh, grow exponentially. Yeah. I think it's where the, the most innovation and experimentation comes from. These are all really uncomfortable times. Um, these are all really uncomfortable experiences. Yeah. And then I, I relate it back to what you were saying earlier about having a conversation with Ryan Bloom at Urban Bonfire yeah. about your kitchen yeah. outdoors and the idea that the kitchen is the heart of the home. But now being able to establish a totally different experience outside the home has sort of mm -hmm. ignited imagination yet <clears throat> yet provided a little bit of comfort i think we're these are very uncomfortable times i feel like to your point the way you're feeling i'm feeling and i know if we're mm -hmm. feeling it then most people are probably feeling yeah. it. I don't, I haven't talked to, I haven't spoken with anybody who says, yeah, no, things are great. I feel good. I feel, <laughs> you know, I feel comfortable. I feel good. Yeah. I feel everything's right with the world. We can, we can still have levels of success. Yeah. We can still not be failing, but still feel uncomfortable. I think these are incredibly uncomfortable times. And I so think. Here's how, here's how I've actually feel like I've been prepared for this. And it yeah. was my, uh, my first year in graduate school, architecture. And it was really uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, serious, I, I did not have the math brain going into this. You know, I had to take a course in, in, in calculus and in physics in night school to get into architecture school. It was like, it was unbelievable. It's like, why am I doing this? So now I'm, I don't to know. To be an artist. I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm in architecture school. And um, I remember feeling this, I was almost terror, feeling a sense of terror. And I'm really using a, a big word like that, um, of being confronted with literally the, a blank piece of paper. And that had, has become throughout my, I'll say life, not just a career, my life, the blank piece of paper and not seeing, here's another expression, the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, staying up all night for days in a studio, just trying to get someplace where I could see the finish line. Um, 
I have learned in my life to accept the blank piece of paper and to, to know that I can move through that. I can get to something. I can put a mark down on that paper and, and something will emerge from there. And so as I'm describing this experience of being in at home and where I'm, I'm in my comfort zone of like, yeah, I know where everything is and, and, and this place defines me to being someplace else where it, I am working with another blank piece of paper, but it's not as terrifying anymore. It does, um, it, it actually falls into a decision I made just five years ago, which was to untether myself from a traditional uh, uh, circumstance of, of having a firm, having people work with me and all of that to a sense of freedom behind it, that, that having choices and being able to navigate that, I could do it. Hasn't been easy, <laughs> but it's really interesting. And so I guess I'm in the category of people because we're all, some of us are out there who, yeah, it's a, it's a struggle to deal with a lot of question marks and uncertainty, but it's also a big opportunity. Not just design has a big opportunity. I just feel that I personally have a big opportunity to um, where it's acceptable not to know, acceptable not to exactly have a clear path and I don't think it's been acceptable to be that freewheeling for most people. No, no. You know, yeah. you know what's really what's really interesting is I, I, this is really this experience of I've been doing the podcast for seven years. Next year will be year eight. In that time, prior to March twelfth of yeah. twenty twenty, everything I did was live. And the reason everything I did was live is because I wanted it to be live. Zoom existed prior to this, mm -hmm. but I didn't do interviews virtually because I, I would prefer you and I be sitting across the table from each other yeah. and I can look into your eyes and I can look at you and see your mannerisms as you're explaining your thoughts to me and you're sort of laying it out there. One of the things that has been so incredible for me is the ability to sort of hear what you're saying and sometimes something will happen that's kind of an epiphany. And uh, as I'm listening to you explain your tremendous discomfort, yet the comfort that you seem to find in redirecting and finding that second path, I'm also looking at your website on another screen because I'm looking at the work that you do and I'm seeing some similarities and some ideas and some through lines between what you're talking about and a lot of the work that you do. And something that just sort of struck me was on your website, at the very bottom, there's an image on your contact, yeah. where your contact is. Mm -hmm. And there's the image of what appears to me to be a fireball, um, and it's showing your signature yeah. cut out in there. Mm -hmm. Above the signature, and by the way, I I'm wrong all the time. And I make mistakes like I'll say, well, you did this and then you did that. And they're like, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't do that in the project. I don't know what you're looking at. But sometimes, um, regardless of whether it's real or not, I, I've got this idea. I'm looking at the fireball. I'm looking at the signature that you, that you have. And right above that, it appears to be a red scribe line that, oh, yeah. that would indicate to me that that was where your cut line was or your weld line or your where I, my drawing. You're drawing, but the drawing is still there. Yeah. And the cutout is above and to the left of it. Now, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about a fireball like the one that's behind you. Mm -hmm. You only get one cut. Now, sure, you can, you can adjust <laughs> and you can fix things. Yeah. But you, you scribe a line, you draw a line, you draw your design out, mm -hmm. then you cut and yeah. it's, it's indicative to me that, you know, because that drawing is still on the end product that you made a pivot along the way and you made a, yeah. a decision to sort of, you chose differently along the way. You made a different cut. 
you you made it you chose a different angle you you chose you chose a different path which is not completely removed from the original path but it's it's somewhat different and quite possibly it's because as you were doing this as you're watching this the look of it um maybe it looked better to you differently than had you already uh, originally drawn it and and i think you know as i as I talk through it, it feels to me like that's really what art is. And I, and I feel like, yeah. you know, coming through this whole experience, the idea of envisioning life as, more as art than as a roadmap, yeah. kind of like your path from architecture to art is just, is part of who we are. And maybe we should be a little more willing to accept that because then you wind up with something beautiful in the finished product. Well, gee, this was a fabulous statement that you just made. I'm going to have to think about that all day long. <laughs> and you know what else? What you made me realize, and, and I think this is so pertinent to our entire conversation, is that I like seeing the, the drawn line next to, to the next set of decisions that I made. Because that's what I was saying about myself. I'm still the line work that you saw there. That's still me. I'm still all the stuff that I brought to this next adventure. And that's the through thread. You know, I'm not abandoning that. I'm not like, well, I think I'm going to do this, you know, and, and I have no history behind me. It is all about those, those layers and those decision points. And I think that the notion that it is a blank piece of paper is, is absolutely wrong. Nobody starts out with nothing. We all have uh, a, a point of view, a set of expectations that are external or internal. And, and it is just this, um, uh, I don't wanna say journey, but you, you come up with a better word. It, it just a, uh, it's a path which is ever changing. I, I will say this in, in terms of a lot of the work that I had done professionally in master planning. One thing I learned about master planning is that there is no master plan. And, um, and that became a very successful um, pitch point for our firm getting planning projects because we would tell potential clients, usually uh, institutional clients is that there isn't a master plan. There's a conceptual plan Start out with a framework, but trust me, six months from now or when the, when the booklet is, is you know, bound, it's all going to change. Either you're a museum and somebody gives you a collection of pre-Columbian miniatures and now all of a sudden the, there's no plan. And, and I think that really translates into life in general. I mean, there's certain milestones that, that ought to be part of a plan if you have, if you're determined to get to someplace. If you are studying law, you know, you've got to do these things. But um, the pivoting, the being flexible, the being open-minded and seeing the drawn line, sort of keeping it there as a reference point, because it, it, it will inevitably change. So I guess if it worked in business, maybe it'll work in my own life. I don't know. Well, and, and I think, you know, you know, what's really funny. Um, Oftentimes, when these conversations start, I will ask, hey, so listen, we're, we're scheduled. Thanks for being here. I'm really excited to talk to you. Do you have any questions? The most asked question that I get is, so what are we talking about today? And I, I love the question because for a couple of reasons. It shows a complete openness, willingness, and trust it, on the part of who of my guest to huh. sort of come in and say, well, you know what, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm here <laughs> and I'm and I'm ready to go. Uh, oftentimes, what did I ask you? What are we talking about today? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> does that mean that I was unprepared? <laughs> no, no, oh, not good. not at all. It it means that you know over time I've learned I don't send questions prior to these conversations. And maybe, yeah. you know, that's something that I don't think I've ever talked about uh -huh. on, on the podcast before. 
I don't send questions. You don't get questions from me. You don't get, here's what I'm going to ask you about. Here's what we're going to talk about. Um, and it's not that I don't know. I certainly have ideas about things that I'd like to talk about, but I don't ever want to lock myself in to here are the things that we have to talk about. Because if I set the parameters, if yeah. I set a master plan, when what I really have is a conceptual plan, yeah. then someone says, well, wait a minute, I'm supposed to have all these parking lots. And, <laughs> and, and my, my job in life, you know, my purpose here is to see if I can get rid of as many parking lots as possible, you well, know? Yeah, that's a that's a good a good position to take. And so, you know, with with you, I, I really am um, so appreciative for the time, and I'm fascinated by the by the major career pivot and sort of the approach that you take that you have with life and and this. You know what? I as hard as you worked to get through architecture school and you're still an architect but you have now found this passion where you can you can blend the two together and i think the artwork is is amazing and i love what you're doing and Ooh, so I just got kissed uh, by my son sorry that's awesome <laughs> hi well life goes on despite a virtual background <laughs> and that's the way it should be yeah well i loved our conversation and um i'm going to be very sad to to end it honestly <laughs> it's been incredibly provocative. Um, it's what I needed to do to really kind of share where I'm at. And um, if I can leave anything with with you and anyone who's tuning into this is that I'm a willing collaborator. You know, I, I really um, enjoyed this conversation and uh, hope that other people will seek out a fellow creative folks to um, see what happens next and to be as engaged as, as we were today. Yeah, no, absolutely. And one of the things that I'm really most excited about too, is when we do get to, back to some semblance of uh, pre-March 12th, I'm, I'm not even calling it normal anymore because I don't think normal exists anymore. I think, I think we're beyond the state of normal. I think whatever's next is yeah. going to be completely different and that's okay you know, and that's all right. But I am excited about getting back to a place where we're in person again. And, you know, one of the things that would make me happiest is to be in your virtual background around <laughs> a fire with a glass of wine. Oh, man. How uh, fun would that the be? The invitation is out there. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Sandra, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you, Josh. I want to meet you in person. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Walker Zanger, for your extraordinary partnership, and thank you for listening. My goal is to bring you the stories behind Sublime Design, wherever that may be, to share those stories, bring you business strategies to help you build a stronger firm, and inspire you to do your most creative work. For more, please follow us on Instagram, at Convo by Design, with an X, and check us out at ConvoByDesign.com. Until next week, be well, and keep creating. Mm-hmm.